Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise to create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today. This is Kevin Brooker. Welcome to Cruising Through Retirement. You know, coming up today, we're going to play the game of risk, the retirement version. The best part is you can all play along, and we're going to get that going this morning starting right now. Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. Kevin is an investment advisor representative with more than 30 years experience. He's helped thousands of people cruise through retirement, and he'd be happy to help you too. Stick around for today's adventure on Cruising Through Retirement. Hey, welcome in, everybody. This is a Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. I'm consumer advocate Steve Sadala. Kevin, been helping folks for more than 30 years getting to and through retirement, putting together plans that are unique to everyone. And you're, Anna, he's also an author, The Millionaire's Guide to Tax-Free Money for Long-Term Care. A great little read. Find it at silverleaffinancial.com. If you go to the website, silverleaffinancial.com, you can get the copy of that book free. Uh, so I would encourage you to do that. And, and again, it's certainly worth it. Hi, Kevin. How's things? Oh, I think things are great. You know what? The markets are good. We've got a beautiful sunny day here again in Arizona. So, you know, life is good. Life is good. And well, I'll tell you, the um, yeah, the market this week has kind of been a little uh, burpy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word, but I mean, it's just. Uh, well, it's a colorful word, yeah. you know, so, you know, I think it uh, illustrates the point, you know, it, uh, I, I think the point. The way that I think about that is sometimes the market gets indigestion, um, okay, and 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 it can act it can act crazy. I tell I tell people all the time that the market, in fact, can have multiple personalities, and you know some days you know good news is good, bad news is good, everything is good, and on other days it completely flips the script, and and you see a company beat on earnings, beat on revenues, come out with a great forecast, and the stock goes down, and you say what the heck is going on, and yeah. so the 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 reality is that in my opinion. Uh, you know, after being in the markets for what, 33 years now, um, the fact is that on a short term basis, and you can define that as daily or, or weekly or even monthly, a lot of times the market doesn't make any sense. It just makes no sense. All right. And, and, but the, so you, you want to bear that in mind. And that's when we talk about taking advantage, you know, price dislocation. So in other words, something you like, it went down, maybe you buy it when it's down because it's on sale, because a lot of times the market does not make sense. And, and there's plenty of, for instance, home building stocks. Home builder stocks have hit, are, have, are hitting 52-week highs, right? Okay. Who would have, who would have thought that going into a recession, every 
I swear every high, the, the most highly paid analysts, the most well compensated strategists on Wall Street, they've all been calling for a recession. They've all been calling for a bear market. Uh, they're all talking about how interest rates are going higher. Now, who would think, would you think logically that's a setup for home builder stocks? I wouldn't think With so. Interest, I would think just interest the opposite. Rates rising, going yeah. into recession, right? Yeah. But yet they're, but yet they're hitting highs. And, and, and so um, I, I, it, I can explain it, right? It's, it's because um, we, we've got a shortage of newly built homes. Apparently, a lot of people have put off home purchases for the last few years during COVID. And now with interest rates having risen, well, we're up six and a half, seven percent on a 30 year mortgage. Everybody that's sitting in a, that owns a house right now that has a mortgage, chances are it's below 4%. All right. Sure. And so these people, they're not going to move. Why would you move when you've got a three or three and a half percent mortgage to a new house? We're now at six and a half because yeah. you're going to have to, it's a big downgrade. You're not going to be able to afford as much house. And so that's why the home builders have taken off, but it does it in the backdrop uh, that, that intuitively, you know, to me, it doesn't make sense. And to most people, it didn't make sense, but yet that's what happens. So, so if, if you've got a theory or strategy, you want to, you want to stick with it uh, and double check it. You know, but what we, what we do want to talk about, we talked about playing risk, right? Right. And, and so we just want to have, you know, try, try something a little bit different here. Okay. We want to talk about the, you know, talk about the process, for instance, that as an advisor, what do we go through? You know, we've talked before about some people are hesitant. Uh, maybe they don't want to sit down with an advisor because they're not sure what happens or sure. how it works. They might not want to be embarrassed or don't know what to talk about, what have you. And so we'd, I thought we'd covered a little bit. All right. And, okay. and, and give you guys an example. Okay. All right. And so. So we're going to turn the tables a little bit. And one of the things that we talk about when we sit down with somebody is we, we want to find out. So I'm going to ask you, Steve, what kind of an investor, what kind of uh, an investor do you consider yourself to be? Well, um, if you, my choices are conservative, moderate and growth, I, I assume. Yes, we're going to keep and, it, keep it in those three categories. Well, here's the thing. So me, I'm a little more conservative and my wife, not so much. <laughs> How often yeah. does that happen? <laughs> You know what? I got to tell you, it comes up quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Um, in, in fact, I would say it's more common that that couples have different, you know, risk tolerance levels, like you're saying, mm -hmm. versus versus a situation where they're both the same. Um, and that tends to happen. In, and I'm going to say younger people, uh, obviously, old and young is relative. Sure. Um, I'm going to say people that are generally 70 and above. Right. They're generally on the conservative side, at least the folks that I've sat down with in terms of how much risk they want to take with their portfolio. Um, so I think part of it is tied to age, and uh, but but I tell you what, that's where the advisor really needs to drill down because what I'll tell people is you know what well if you have individual accounts let's say you've got IRAs maybe okay. we'd be a little bit more aggressive with the wife's IRA and a little more conservative with your IRA, um, but Fair enough. sometimes you know sometimes people don't like that answer right it's when you get into a joint account that's when we really have to dial it in and make sure and do our best to follow. Um, you know, to, to make sure we're not taking too much risk for one and not enough for the other. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, so as we're talking about taking risk, uh, so how, how do you, how do you really assess, um, someone's, someone's risk tolerance? I mean, is that just what they say is, do you get a read on people? Do you uh, just looking at their finances? What do you think? It's, you know what, for me, it's all of the above. Okay. Um, that's, that's one of the reasons why I do like to look at people's, at, at somebody's portfolio, right? It's not just to see what they own or see how much money they have. It's to see what they own in terms of how much risk they're taking with their portfolio. And, and then I talk about, 
you know, how long have you had these positions? Is this, is this consistent with the style and the tolerance that you've, that you've invested alongside of, you know, have you done it this way for the last five years, 10 years, 20 years? And, and are you comfortable with it? And, and so we do, we ask a lot of questions. I ask a lot of questions, how comfortable they are, how do they feel? The big thing to me is when markets are down, all right, mm -hmm. when they're losing money. Okay. That's what I focus on because everybody is happy when markets are up. Maybe, maybe you're not happy because you're not up as much as some other index or some stock. You know, I, there, people have all types of attitudes out there. Um, you know, but, but generally speaking, when the markets are doing well, most people are fairly happy because their account presumably is making money. And so they're feeling pretty good about it. And they would tell you that they're totally comfortable with the amount of risk they're taking. But when the markets go down, Kind of like the, um, what is it, Warren Buffett said a long time ago, you know, when the tide goes out, that's when you see all the people that have not, you know, not been swimming with their shorts on. Exactly. And, and, and so it exposes you, okay? It exposes your true feelings, your true emotions, your true thoughts when you're sitting, when you're looking at a statement and it shows you're down 20, 25, 30%. Mm. And you say, holy cow. All right. So that's, so that's when I say, Steve, let me ask you. Let's say the market fell and your let's say your portfolio fell 20%. Okay. What would you what would you want to do? Would you want would you say I'm going to do okay, choice A is I'm not going to do anything. Uh choice B is I'm going to wait a few months and figure it out then. Uh or choice C is I'm I'm out, I'm selling, it's I can't take it. I'm just going to I'm going to wait a few months. Uh, I mean, right, uh, right. cuz see which way it goes. And and I think to me that's a logical answer. Right. Um and I and I will say most most people that I meet that are between the, let's say they're anywhere between the ages of, of uh, 40 and 70, most of the folks that I meet would call them, would put themselves in the moderate category. And, and, and a lot of times I ask myself, because I, I do hear that very often, um, and I think back about a, a, a philosophy that, my, that me and my wife have when we're buying something, and you know, no matter what it is, whether it doesn't matter, is it a car, is it something for the house, is it something for outside? It doesn't matter what we what we like to say is you know what I'm going to go with Mama Bear, I'm going to pick Mama Bear, and Mama Bear is in the middle. Mama okay. Bear is the moderate the moderate choice. In other words, I'm not going full on most expensive thing I can find, but you know what I'm not going with the cheapest either. I'm going to shoot in the middle. All right, and and we call it Mama Bear, and and I feel like that's like a default choice for a lot of folks. Mm -hmm. So then what I so then what I would talk about I say okay, so I'm going to take that a little bit farther, Steve, and I'm going to say all right, the next two months drops another ten percent. How do you feel now? What do you want to do now? I think, would you still wait a few more months? Would you sell? Would you buy? What would your thinking be? Well, I mean, just based on conversations that we've had, I might consider buying. There you go. That's I love hearing that. All <laughs> right. Be because that tells me that somebody has paid attention to the markets in the past, that they do have some wisdom about things because they probably know, you know what? Our markets have gone down plenty of times before, but somehow they've always come back to hit new highs. And so my, um, that to me is a sign of somebody that is, is a suitable, those answers would make you suitable to go further, to talk further. All right. Um, and to explore, because if you're comfortable, if you, not that, not that you love seeing it, nobody likes seeing a loss, no, of course right. Not. But you recognize, you know what, I'm in this for a longer period of time. I can wait it out. I can buy more, I'll lower my cost bases. And I'm confident that over time things will come back and get even better. All right. But the thing that that requires is time and time time can be your friend or it can be your enemy depending on where you're at in life and what stage you're at and not just your age but you know you might be 50 and say hey i want to retire right now 
And maybe that means you shouldn't take too big a risk with your money because you should have already accumulated money if you're going to retire at 50. Yeah. All right. So it could, it doesn't necessarily, it's not only based on their age, right? Right. And so, um, so some of the other questions that we talk about along with age is when we're setting up a portfolio, you know, it'd be Steve, well, how long, like from day one that we get started, how long do you plan on keeping those investments? What's your time frame? Yeah. I mean, that- I guess uh, until it makes sense. <laughs> that's why I, that's why I have a fiduciary independent advisor. All right. All right. Well, I, I would drill down a little bit more on, on that to get, to get some numbers. Cause if it's, let me give you guys an example. Yeah, if somebody sure. says, if somebody says I've got two years, then I'm going to say, all right, we really, you probably don't want to buy stocks. All right. Unless you can tell me you're okay with two years from now, you're down 40% and you're okay with that. All right. Because the thing we want to remember when we're talking about time frames is I can show you different periods of time, depending on when, when a person bought, how long it took to recover. And a lot of times what I talk about is, is the NASDAQ index. If you bought it at its peak in 2000, all right, you barely got back to break even. I think it was about six and a half or seven years later, just barely got back to break even. And that brought you to 07, right? Right before we get hit again. And then bam, you're down another 30 or 40%. It took another five years beyond that to get back to break even. So if you bought and held and did nothing from spring of 2000, until I think it was 2012, roughly, you didn't make a dime. You didn't make any money at all, okay? It's a 12-year window, more than a decade, to get back just to break even because you bought it at the high, all right? Now, now if you, so so it all depends on your time frame and and, and things like that, you know? So so there's a lot of things that we want to talk about, a lot of things we want to consider. You know, some of the other things that people, you know, you want to think about, of course, is, um, you, you know, how, what type of debt situation do you have? Do you have your mortgage paid off? Are you mm-hmm. planning on having it paid off? You know, are you? Oh, well, I mean, we, again, I guess we kind of covered that. If you got a, if you if you've got a two and a half or three or three and a quarter percent mortgage, is it necessary to pay the thing off if you're mostly done anyway? You know, it's a really it it is a really good question, and I think if if you've got a, a an interest rate, these okay today, I'm and I'm saying today because if you've got a three percent mortgage when fixed rates, guaranteed fixed rates. Treasury bills, for instance, are five percent. I can get you a guarantee of five and a half percent for five years. So, on that argument, I'd say, you know what? I, I would not bother paying down the mortgage if I'm putting it into the fixed account because I'm guaranteed to make more than I'm spending in interest on my mortgage. I see. The next step, of course, some people will say, well, what about the stock market? Doesn't it? Doesn't it average nine or ten percent? And that's when I say, yes, it does. And and if it can, if it works out in your time frame, then yeah, you'd have been better off not paying off the mortgage. But what if we're looking at a period in time where things are going to get bad, earnings are going to slow down, we are going to go into recession, Fed's going to have, have to raise interest rates more than we expect, unemployment's going to go over 10%, and we're going into a depression. I'm not sure that your stock market portfolio is going to outperform that mortgage now. because <laughs> Probably not. Right? We could, we could wind up losing money. So, so a lot of it comes down to how you're going to invest the money. You know, and I'm, saying, I'm talking about the money that you would have used to pay off or pay down your mortgage. What are you doing with that money? And now if you're, so what I'm saying is you're taking that money and you're putting it into a guaranteed vehicle that you know is a higher interest rate, like I just said, five and a half versus three, then to me, that makes total sense. So are you talking about an annuity? Yes. In fact, I am talking about it. It is an annuity. I just wanted to make sure. Yes. And and, and guys, guys, it is really important that everybody, you know, when we talk about annuities, um, it, it, I'd be lying if I said it didn't bother me when I bring up that word. People sit back in the chair, they cross their arms, yep. they cross their legs, they roll their eyes. 
And I'm like, okay, we don't have to talk about these. You don't have to, but I'm not doing my job if I don't bring it up because my job is to, is to find, help you to find uh, the best vehicle for what you're trying to accomplish, how much risk you want to take, what your time frame is, and a whole lot of other things that we, that we haven't even gotten into today. But, it's my, but I believe it's any advisor's, any fiduciary's job to address whether a vehicle like an annuity could be good for you. Just like we have to talk about, you know, are stocks good, are bonds good, are mutual funds, are exchange-traded funds? Are we getting into options or futures contracts? You know, there's a lot of different ways you can go. And, and so annuities come in all sorts of different, you know, all sorts of different flavors, right? Uh, I always say, you know, Baskin Robbins has 31 flavors because people have different tastes, all right? Yep. There's more, than, there's more than 31 flavors with annuities, guys, all right? There's a lot of different flavors. There's a lot of different ways you can tackle it. And so some fixed annuities, the best rates right now, I can get a guarantee of five and a half percent for five years, period, end of story. There's no charge. There's no fee. There's no moving parts. It's plain and simple contractual guarantee, five and a half for five years. Uh, and and that, that to me is a very smart move right now. All right. And the reason I'm suggesting uh, that and mentioning that, guys, is because everybody should be thinking about duration of your guaranteed investment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I see banks, right? There's a bank right down the street. They're offering a 5% on a six month CD. But you know why they're doing that? Because they think in six months, rates might be going lower. All right. Now, personally, I don't think that it's going to happen that soon. One of the Fed governors just came out and said he doesn't see any rate cuts even all the way through 2024. So, um, so my point is, if you think interest rates are going to come back down, let's say in a year or two years, then, then probably a smart move would be to lock in a five and a half percent rate for five years or six years. All right. That because, because you're going to be pay, getting paid a higher rate two, three, four years from now, if interest rates do come down. Right. Yes. So, so that's why it makes sense to lock in a longer term. If that's the type of investor, you know, if that's the type of investment you're looking for. Sure. Well, folks, if, again, if you want to reach Kevin, it's uh, silverleaffinancial.com. That's the website. You can reach out to Kevin right there via email, or you can call him 800-975-6717. 800-975-6717. So we're kind of cruising through these, uh, you know, processes, if you will. And and um, so let's talk about, you know, investing because there's a lot to there is a lot to that um you know and so let's and tell you what let's just set the mood we you you mentioned um you mentioned warren buffett earlier and yes. uh, so but anyway he was on cnbc recently and of course uh, he had some thoughts on well investing i think it's the same thing that makes most sense practically all of the time and and that is to consistently buy, keep buying it through thick and thin, and especially through thin, because uh, the temptation when you see bad headlines in newspapers, maybe to say, well, maybe I should skip a year or something. Just keep buying it. The trick is not to pick the right company. It's to be, because most people aren't equipped to do that, and plenty of times I make mistakes on that. The trick is to, to do it consistently and to do it in a very, very low-cost way because costs really matter in investments. Uh, that makes an enormous difference in how much money you have on retirement. That's why they call him the Oracle. I mean, he just speaks the truth. He does. He does. And, and you know what? And it, and, it, and, it makes, and it makes a ton of sense. And expenses are very important. That's definitely something we always take a look at. Of course, you want to keep the expenses as low as possible. But we also want to recognize sometimes, you know, and I can show you some examples, 
I, I can show you some investments that, that have outperformed the S&P 500 consistently. Um, and yes, they charge a higher fee than the S&P 500, like, than an index fund. So the question is whether it's worth it to you as an investor. I'm going to suggest that it's worth it in select cases, all right, where I can show you an outperformance over one year, three years, five years, 10 years. To me, it makes sense to pay a little bit more because I think that manager has proven himself uh, or herself. Mm-hmm. All right. But but generally speaking, I think, you know, overall, that is a number one as a top priority to keep those expenses low. But he's also talking about he's talking about keeping your emotions in check. And we're talking about uh, it was a backdrop of, you know, investing short term versus long term, things like that. And, uh, and and he's talking about when the markets are down. Right. And like we talked about earlier, when the markets are up, most people are happy. It's when they're down. That's when it takes courage and discipline to stick with it, to keep on to keep on buying and keep putting the money into the investment, even though it's down. And, and but I want to talk about a little bit more like he, he mentioned, you know, he said something about it's not about picking the right company or something. Yeah. OK, I would strongly disagree on that <laughs> on that line. OK, OK. Um, and I can give you a couple examples. Let's say let's say 30 years ago, you decided you wanted to buy the stock that back in the 90s, people called it a lot of folks called the called them widows and orphans stocks, right? All right. Stocks that stocks that you're supposed to be able to put away forever, forget about it, put it in your drawer. Back in the day when, when people got certificates, just put it in there, forget about it. You'll get paid a dividend and, and you'll be rewarded over time. I'm pretty sure in, at summer of summer of 93, AT&T stock was, I want to say, trading maybe around $17. All right. And Guess where it is right now? The answer is below sixteen dollars. All right, oh, is it really? Wow. Now, yes, it it really it really is. Now you would have gotten the dividends, so with dividends, you you would have had a profit. But my point is, if we just talk about the price, guys, you would not have, not have made anything. Another one is the gap, right? Everybody knows the gap, right? Yeah. At least mo- most people do. Take a look at that one. You could have bought that one thirty years ago, um, and in both these cases, AT and T and Gap. You'd have had opportunities if you bought them 30 years ago in the mid in 1993, all right, summertime of 93. Mm-hmm. You could have bought them at that level, and if you'd have sold them in the end of the 90s, you'd have had a fantastic return, all right. But my point is, what Buffett is saying is to just hold on. If you held on to the gap the entire time, you haven't made any money. You haven't made anything, all right. And you've held it for 30 years. You had opportunities. You could have sold it for a nice profit. But if you're just holding on, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have realized those opportunities. Now, obviously, there's other stories. People like to talk about Amazon and Apple and things like that. And yes, if you had if you had the foresight and you did hold on for 30 years, 25 years, you'd have made boatloads and boatloads of money. All right. So I am saying that it does the company does matter. And and he also said most people don't have the ability to do that to pick the good ones, the bad ones. He said he's made plenty of mistakes too. And I think what he's saying when he says he made mistakes is he recognized something's not working and he sold it. All right. Exactly. So I think, I think, you know, I think it's important um, that we establish parameters. I don't like to, I don't like to, one of the things that I like that I try to do when I'm buying stock is I'm trying to be timely. All right. I don't want to buy it and see it drop 10%. And, and if it does, a lot of times I'm out because I am trying to time it well. I'm not expecting to see a 10% loss. A lot of professionals that trade, we call it swing trading when it could be four or five days or maybe maybe up to a month. We call it swing trading. It's not day trading. Um, for, so it's a couple of days to a couple of months. And, and swing traders, just like day traders, will set stop orders and stop loss orders because they believe they're entering at the right time. 
So a lot of them will use a stop as short as small as two or three percent. So in other words, if it drops two or three percent, they're out, they're gone. Okay. The benefit to that is that you never suffer a large loss. Okay. Because you put in, you, at the same time you buy it, you put in a stop order says, Hey, if I'm wrong, sell it. If it goes, you know, if it drops more than 3% or whatever the number is, the problem with that can be sometimes they'll drop down and come back up again. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can get knocked, you can, you know, it could drop the next day and two weeks later, it might, maybe it doubles, who knows? So, so to me, the, the answer is there's no perfect way. There's no perfect strategy to invest. All right. What I would like to say is to apply the Buffett philosophy to an index fund like the S&P 500. Okay. I think if you're talking about the S&P 500, you can look at that and the research shows that if you bought the S&P 500, it doesn't matter if you bought it at the high, the low, or anywhere in between. If you held it for at least 20 years, you've always made money. And these are in rolling 20-year periods going back 100 years. All right. Mm -hmm. So you could have bought it in 1950 to 1970 or 95 to 2015. Pick any 20-year period and, and research shows you'd have never lost money in the S&P 500. So I think, I think when you've got a basket, a portfolio like that, it makes a lot more sense to me. That's when I say, you know what, if it's down, keep buying it. And, and if you have a, some funds that have performed very well, those are the things that when they're down, keep on buying. With an individual stock though, it takes a lot more research because maybe something changed, right? Maybe you've got something like artificial intelligence has come, has come on the stage. Oh my goodness, yes. And it's gonna knock out your business, right? Or think about, think about, okay, how about this one? Blockbuster, Blockbuster. Oh, great right? one. Yeah. Do you remember that one? I do. Fantastic, right? It was a fantastic stock way back in the day when, back when we had, you know, videotapes and VCRs mm-hmm. and, 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 and the young folks out there might not know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> that, that's how we used to watch movies, all right? And you had to go to the store, rent the movie, right? Yes. And then you had to take it back to the store when you're done with it. Right. Um, and that was before Netflix came online, yes. right? And, yep. and gave and gave Blockbuster competition that ultimately knocked out Blockbuster. And then, and we're not even talking about getting getting you know further into digital downloads and things like that. So, so it's very important to understand the companies you own because thing things change, right? Yeah. If you were if if you were if you were selling you know if you're selling buggies for all the horses, that probably got wiped out when cars were invented, right? So I, I'm thinking there was a little impact there. I think it's a little impact. So it, I don't think it's universal that you can just pick a stock and, and hold on to it 20 years. In fact, I know it's not. So I think it's important that, that we all understand um, the different rules apply to different situations. And you want to make sure that you understand the specifics, because although Warren Buffett, he is obviously one of the richest men in the world. He did it himself by investing in stocks. Um, but obviously, the reason we talk so much about Buffett is because very few other people have been able to duplicate that. Right. And and so uh, some people say it's kind of like getting struck by getting struck by lightning and doing it over and over and over. Yeah. And um, you know, it's a very difficult thing to do, but you can do it with consistency. And if you're not sure exactly how to handle it, that's when you give a sit down with some advisors, give me a call. We can talk for a few minutes on the phone and see if you want to take it further and set up an appointment to come in to see me. Sure. 800-975-6717. You, you just said a word that jumped out at me when I was listening to Warren Buffett, and that is consistency, because that really, um, it, it, that really is something that can propel you down the line being consistent. It, oh gosh, it, it really is. And that's, that's something I, you know, that I talk to a lot of, like, for instance, to do some do it yourself investors. Sure. They'll say, you know what, I bought X, you know, I bought XYZ and it's up so much. And, and what do I need an advisor for? And, and I say, well, if you can, and that's my answer is that if you can do that consistently, 
then maybe you don't need an advisor, right? Mm -hmm. See, the thing is, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I, I refer back to what the broke clock, right? The broken clock is right twice a day. Right. Um, you know, what do they say? The, uh, uh, the blind pig, you know, can still find an acorn once in a while, something like that. Something like you that, know? yeah. <laughs> and so, so the key is, can you do it consistently month in, month out, quarter in, quarter out, or year in, year out? Some people have been able to do that, but it requires a lot of, it requires a lot of due diligence. So you got to spend your time. You got to research these things. You got to stay on top of them. And make sure you keep your eyes open, you know, for a new competitor, a new something that's going to knock knock your champion off of his off of his pedestal and replace it with a new one that some you know twenty something year old kid in college figured out. So <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's important that that uh, that that folks look at it when you're trying to figure out if you want to do it yourself or work with an advisor. One of the biggest things you should consider is how much time are you able to put into doing it yourself. All right, because to do it right takes a good amount of time on a consistent basis. That's the consistency is staying on top of what you own and, and, and making sure you're aware of any new competition um, or any threats to the business, you know? So, mm -hmm. so there's, a, there's a lot to consider. Um, you know, one of the things we talk about when, when we sit down and a couple comes in or, or somebody comes in to invest and they're getting ready to retire, Steve, is we talk about, you know, how much income are you going to have in retirement? Yep. When are you going to claim your social security? Um, and one of the things I like to talk about for anybody that does not have a pension, and that's usually anybody that, that works in the private sector, um, you know, pensions are, are kind of a thing of the past in the private sector. If you're a government employee, you probably still have one. Um, but one thing to take a look at, I, I was sitting down with a, with a couple the other day, and uh, they're 59. And, and I can tell you that right now, for instance, um, they, they wanted to retire in, you know, in five or six years. And the idea is, to be able to retire at 64 or 65, but not claim social security yet for the higher earner of the two. They want to wait until they turn 70. And so the question is, how do we bridge that gap from 65 to 70? Cause I don't want to work. I want to be done working. Right. And so, right. And yes. so, so, so what I said is, you know what, I think you should consider a, a income annuities for a part of your portfolio. And guys, that's the important part. You know, if somebody's got a million dollars, I'm not going to say put all of it into an annuity. I mean, you could if, if it suits your goals. But generally speaking, what I would do is I say, you know what, maybe put 300,000 into some annuities. And I can tell you at age 59, you put 300,000 into the, the, to the best ones that five years later, they're going to pay you over $30,000 a year. All right. Guaranteed for life. And the longer you wait, it's going to go up another seven or 8% every year that you wait. Okay. And so that's, that's, a, that's one possibility in terms of how to generate the income. But let me, let me take that example further. If you took $100,000 right now, and in five years, you want to get 10 grand a year in income off of it, all right? Do you know that requires you to double your money? You have to double it in five years, and then you can invest it at five or five and a half percent, and you'd, and you'd have an equal return. But you're taking the risk you can double your money. And you're taking the risk that in five years, you're still going to be able to get five or five and a half percent. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that it's going to continue throughout your life, right? Mm -hmm. and, not, and knowing that you can't touch that money, the principal, because you're living off the interest. All right, guys, that's the same philosophy with putting money into an annuity that you're using for income. You can't touch, you don't, you can, but you don't want to touch the principal because that would reduce your income. So you put it in there, you leave it alone. And then it's going to pay you income for the rest of your life. Now, the reason I like annuities and the reason I'm using these for uh, myself and my wife is that we, we don't have any pension plans. We're, we've been you know, self-employed. And so we have to provide our own income. 
The other thing that I that I like to look at with the annuity is I like the ones that also have a feature that'll pay you more money if you should need any type of assistance with long-term care. And and so a lot of them have something called a, an income doubler that, you know, if a person is, you know, they uh, can't do two out of six of what we call activities of daily living, like walking and eating, things like that, that you can get assistance and that'll double your income. So if we go back to the example, the couple put in 300,000, they're getting 30 grand a year for income for life. Yes. If one of them should, if one of them should need some assistance with long-term care, you know, we, we, we can get a certification from their doctor and then the, the company, the annuity company will double that income and give them an extra 30,000 a year for up to five years. Wow. Right. And Man, so to this, me, these are such innovative products, innovative ways to, to handle retirement. It's really kind of fun to, to hear you talk about it. I, t I tell you, you know, I tell you what, that, that, to, <laughs> that to me, that, that makes me happy. Cause I say, you know what, if, if something, no, it's not going to cover all of your long-term care if you have to go to a facility, but it, but it would work if you're staying at home and you just hire a caregiver to come in maybe a couple hours a day or something, mm -hmm. it would cover that. Right. And, and so the part of the reason that's part of the reason I'm doing the income annuities is because I also get that long-term care benefit. All right. Mm -hmm. And I can't get that. My bank CD won't give me that. Right. My mutual fund investments won't do that. If I if I leave it in stocks and bonds in the market and I'm pulling out my four percent, I don't have any guarantee that if one of us needs long term care, we, we don't all of a sudden get to double our income from it. So so to me, it's a great way to 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 uh, to give yourself the the peace of mind knowing that you have extra guaranteed income coming in if one of you should need long term care. All right, and at the same time, giving you that lifetime, the peace of mind of knowing that you're going to have that income for the rest of your life, even if you live to 105, 110, even if it goes to zero, it's going to keep on paying you. And it's the only account that will do that. Wow. And, well, you said income doubler. That sort of got my attention. What immediately came to mind, though, was a, was a, a you know, a, a game in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> income yeah, doubler well, that's a, you know. income doubler right and, and uh yeah put hey put some lights on a couple of bells and whistles and you got one you got it right? <laughs> exactly you, you got it you know so so guys it is something to take a look at um i mentioned some of these things in the book uh, you know that i co-wrote on long-term care totally free just go to my website and and put in a little bit of your name and info and I'll be happy to send it to you free of charge. And um, if you have some questions, I'd be happy to give more details on it as well. Sure. It, uh, the website is silverleaffinancial.com, silverleaffinancial.com. Kevin, as always, I, it's just such a pleasure to, to just have these conversations that kind of go back and forth. And you took me down a path today that I didn't expect, but I really, I, I'm truly, I learned stuff today. <laughs> you know, that that's, I am really glad to hear that, Steve. I appreciate that. And guys, I, I hope you learned something or maybe heard an idea that you might not have thought about. Because to me, one of the keys is to, to look at the different options, look at the different possibilities out there, and then we can help you, help you put together the pieces, you know, so, so that you can achieve the stress-free retirement uh, that most of us are looking for. Provided this for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. 
There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, hosts, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment services offered through Silverleaf Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decisions. Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise and create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today.